section 61 of the gilded age this librivox recording is in the public domain the gilded age a tale of today by mark twain and c d warner chapter 61 clay hawkins years gone by had yielded after many a struggle to the migratory and speculative instinct of our age and our people and had wandered further and further westward upon trading ventures settling finally in melbourne australia he ceased to roam became a steady-going substantial merchant and prospered greatly his life lay beyond the theatre of this tale his remittances had supported the hawkins family entirely from the time of his father's death until latterly when laura by her efforts in washington had been able to assist in this work clay was away on a long absence in some of the eastward islands when laura's troubles began trying and almost in vain to arrange certain interests which had become disordered through a dishonest agent and consequently he knew nothing of the murder till he returned and read his letters and papers his natural impulse was to hurry to the states and save his sister if possible for he loved her with a deep and abiding affection his business was so crippled now and so deranged that to leave it would be ruin therefore he sold out at a sacrifice that left him considerably reduced in worldly possessions and began his voyage to san francisco arrived there he perceived by the newspapers that the trial was near its close at salt lake later telegrams told him of the acquittal and his gratitude was boundless so boundless indeed that sleep was driven from his eyes by the pleasurable excitement almost as effectually as preceding weeks of anxiety had done it he shaped his course straight for hawkeye now and his meeting with his mother and the rest of the household was joyful albeit he had been away so long that he seemed almost a stranger in his own house but the greetings and congratulations were hardly finished when all the journals in the land clamored the news of laura's miserable death mrs hawkins was prostrated by this last blow and it was well that clay was at her side to stay her with comforting words and take upon himself the ordering of the household with its burden of labors and cares washington hawkins had scarcely more than entered upon that decade which carries one of the full blossom of manhood which we term the beginning of middle age and yet a brief sojourn at the capital of the nation had made him old his hair was already turning gray when the late session of congress began its sittings it grew grayer still and rapidly after the memorable day that saw laura proclaimed a murderess it waxed grayer and still grayer during the lagging suspense that succeeded it and after the crash which ruined his last hope the failure of his bill in the senate and the destruction of its champion dilworthy a few days later when he stood uncovered while the last prayer was pronounced over laura's grave his hair was whiter and his face hardly less old than the venerable ministers whose words were sounding in his ears a week after this he was sitting in a double-bedded room in a cheap boarding-house in washington with colonel sellers the two had been living together lately and this mutual cavern of theirs the colonel sometimes referred to as their premises and sometimes as their apartments more particularly when conversing with persons outside a canvas-covered modern trunk marked g w h stood on the end by the door strapped and ready for a journey on it lay a small morocco satchel also marked g w h 
there was another trunk close by a worn and scarred and ancient hair relic with b s wrought in brass nails on its top on it lay a pair of saddle-bags that probably knew more about the last century than they could tell washington got up and walked the floor a while in a restless sort of way and finally was about to sit down on the hair trunk stop don't sit down on that exclaimed the colonel there now that's all right the chair is better i couldn't get another trunk like that not another like it in america i reckon i am afraid not said washington with a faint attempt at a smile no indeed the man is dead that made that trunk and that saddle-bags are his great-grandchildren still living said washington with levity only in the words not in the tone well i don't know i hadn't thought of that but anyway they can't make trunks and saddle-bags like that if they are and no man can said the colonel with honest simplicity wife didn't like to see me going off with that trunk she said it was nearly certain to be stolen why 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 aren't trunks always being stolen well yes some kinds of trunks are very well then this is some kind of a trunk and an almighty rare kind too yes i believe it is well then why shouldn't a man want to steal it if he got a chance indeed i don't know why should he washington i never heard anybody talk like you suppose you were a thief and that trunk was lying around and nobody watching wouldn't you steal it come now answer fair wouldn't you steal it well now since you corner me i would take it but i wouldn't consider it stealing you wouldn't well that beats me now what would you call stealing why taking property is stealing property now what a way to talk that is what do you suppose that trunk is worth is it in good repair perfect hair rubbed off a little but the main structure is perfectly sound does it leak anywhere leak do you want to carry water in it what do you mean by does it leak why do the clothes fall out of it when it is uh, when it is stationary confound it washington you are trying to make fun of me i don't know what has got into you today you act mighty curious what is the matter with you well i'll tell you old friend i am almost happy i am indeed it wasn't clay's telegram that hurried me up so and got me ready to start with you it was a letter from louise good what is it what does she say she says come home her father has consented at last my boy i want to congratulate you i want to shake you by the hand it's a long turn that has no lane at the end of it as the proverb says or somehow that way you'll be happy yet and beriah sellers will be there to see thank god i believe it general boswell is pretty nearly a poor man now the railroad that was going to build up hawkeye made short work of him along with the rest he isn't so opposed to a son-in-law without a fortune now without a fortune indeed why that tennessee land never mind the tennessee land colonel i am done with that forever and forever why no you can't mean to say my father away back yonder years ago bought it for a blessing for his children and indeed he did si hawkins said to me it proved a curse to him as long as he lived and never a curse like it was inflicted upon any man's ears i'm bound to say there's more or less truth it began to curse me when i was a baby and it has cursed every hour of my life to this day lord lord but it's so 
time and again my wife i depended on it all through my boyhood and never tried to do an honest stroke of work for my living right again but then you i have chased it years and years as children chase butterflies we might all have been prosperous now we might all have been happy all these heartbreaking years if we had accepted our poverty at first and gone contentedly to work and built up our own wealth by our own toil and sweat it's so it's so bless my soul how often i've told si hawkins instead of that we have suffered more than the damned themselves suffer i loved my father and i honor his memory and recognize his good intentions but i grieve for his mistaken ideas of conferring happiness upon his children i'm going to begin my life over again and begin it and end it with good solid work i'll leave my children no tennessee land spoken like a man sir spoken like a man your hand again my boy and always remember that when a word of advice from bariah sellers can help it is at your service i'm going to begin again too indeed yes sir i've seen enough to show me where my mistake was the law is what i was born for i shall begin the study of the law heavens and earth but that bram's a wonderful man a wonderful man sir such a head and such a way with him but i could see that he was jealous of me the little licks i got in in the course of my argument before the jury your argument why you were a witness oh yes uh, to the popular eye to the popular eye but i knew when i was dropping information and when i was letting drive at the court with an insidious argument but the court knew it bless you and weakened every time and braham knew it i just reminded him of it in a quiet way and its final result and he said in a whisper you did it colonel you did it sir but keep it mum for my sake and i'll tell you what you do says he you go into law colonel sellers go into the law sir that's your native element and into the law the subscriber is going there's worlds of money in it whole worlds of money practice first in hawkeye then in jefferson then in st louis then in new york in the metropolis of the western world climb and climb and climb and wind up on the supreme bench bariah sellers chief justice of the supreme court of the united states sir a made man for all time and eternity that's the way i block it out sir and it's as clear as day clear as the rosy morn washington had heard little of this the first reference to laura's trial had brought the old dejection to his face again and he stood gazing out of the window at nothing lost in reverie there was a knock the postman handed in a letter it was from obedstown east tennessee and was for washington he opened it there was a note saying that enclosed he would please find a bill for the current year's taxes on the seventy-five thousand acres of tennessee land belonging to the estate of silas hawkins deceased and added that the money must be paid within sixty days or the land would be sold at public auction for the taxes as provided by law the bill was for a hundred and eighty dollars something more than twice the market value of the land perhaps washington hesitated doubts flitted through his mind the old instinct came upon him to cling to the land just a little longer and give it one more chance he walked the floor feverishly his mind tortured by indecision presently he stopped took out his pocket-book and counted his money two hundred and thirty dollars it was all he had in the world one hundred and eighty 
from two hundred and thirty he said to himself fifty left it is enough to get me home shall i do it or shall i not i wish i had somebody to decide for me the pocket-book lay open in his hand with louise's small letter in view his eye fell upon that and it decided him it shall go for taxes he said and never tempt me or mine any more he opened the window and stood there tearing the tax bill to bits and watching the breeze waft them away till all were gone the spell is broken the lifelong curse is ended he said let us go the baggage wagon had arrived five minutes later the two friends were mounted upon their luggage in it and rattling off toward the station the colonel endeavoring to sing homeward bound a song whose words he knew but whose tune as he rendered it was a trial to auditors end of chapter sixty one